the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Joe is masking up. Yep, here we go again. There must be an election coming up or something. We were told yesterday that Dr. Jill tested positive for COVID with mild symptoms. In other words, she has a cold, maybe. I'm not sure I'm buying that she has it at all, but Joe tested negative. And here's what his intern, Karine Jean-Pierre, said, quote, As far as the steps that he's taking since the president, I'm sure she was reading this out of a binder, by the way. As far as the steps that he's taking since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance, unquote. Again, with the CDC. How many studies have to be done before people accept that the masks were and are a waste of time and make you more likely to get sick with something else? Seeing this uh, demented president walking around with a mask is a perfect way, though, isn't it, to uh, get the country prepared for more insanity. And speaking of insanity, Artemis Langford, a man pretending to be a woman, is still a member of that sorority at the University of Wyoming because the six young women who wanted to have him kicked out lost their lawsuit. He was on MSNBC, and listen to how the woman interviewing him describes him. The case has drawn widespread attention as schools continue to be a front line in these fights for LGBTQ plus rights. And Artemis Langford, the very brave woman at the center of it all, is joining me now. Artemis, thanks for joining us on this. Appreciate it. How you doing? Um, um, thank you for having me on. I'm doing okay. This is uh, very unusual uh, in my experience to be able to have this opportunity. So I'm very thankful to able to be with me here today. It's got to be hard, Artemis, to start off your junior year. You know, you should be thinking about what classes you're taking, um, which friends you're going to be hanging with, what opening year parties you're going to be going to. Instead, you're thinking about this lawsuit and how members of your sorority didn't want you to be a part of it. What What is that like for you? It's been a very difficult year, to say the least. Um, the sheer awe and surrealness of being in uh, a media cycle again and again, even though I didn't necessarily want to be uh, given all this uh, attention just because of my identity. And by the way, she never asked him about the minor detail of him getting erections, according to the women who filed the suit, while he was watching them undress. That didn't get into the interview for his tough time that he's had there. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk to someone from the Independent Women's Forum about what's next in trying to get this mentally ill man out of the sorority house. And in our second half hour, one of Donald Trump's lawyers to talk about what's being done to prevent more election fraud in 2024. Stick around. Well, Artemis Langford is still a member of uh, Kappa Kappa Gamma Sorority at the University of Wyoming after a judge 
ruled last week that the sorority couldn't be forced to kick him out. So now what? Um, May Mailman is a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center, and she joins us now. May, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. So now what? Uh, is this guy in a sorority for as long as he wants to be? Well, he's in there for now, um, but it's not its not the end of the road. So there's a couple options that the girls have. They can either refile their complaints. So the judge said you can come back and clarify things. But, you know, no one's going to really be able to clarify the thing that this judge seems to be very confused about, which is the definition of woman. So I would say that these girls um, need to appeal. And there's something a little bit sad about that, that you have to go to continually higher courts in order for someone to recognize what a woman means. And we already know that there's one justice on the Supreme Court who doesn't know what it means. So it, it, it doesn't look great for the girls, but there's definitely there's it's not the end of the road. Well, my first reaction was to blame the judge when I heard the story. Uh, but based on what he said, and here's the quote. I hope I'm getting this right. The University of Wyoming chapter voted to admit, and more broadly, a sorority of hundreds of thousands approved Langford. Uh, with its inquiry beginning and ending there, the court will not define woman today. And woman's in quotes there. Seems like he had no choice. And it's the sorority national office that asked for this. And uh, this the, the judge is saying, look, you joined a sorority, and it says right here in their bylaws they can they're going to allow transgender women men into the uh, into the organization. So, uh, how what, where's their standing on that? I believe me, I'm rooting for them, but then when I saw that, it's it's the yeah, it seems so, like it's to be the national office they're going after. So it's a both a little more complicated and a little more simple than that, which is that. I think I agree with the judge. If the sorority wants to gut itself and say, we are men and women and, you know, men who identify as, you know, whatever, then they certainly are legally allowed to do that. We're not in the business of forcing people to have organizations that, you know, we like. But Kappa says that they change their bylaws or that they have guidelines that allow men who identify as women, but they haven't. Their bylaws as filed in the state of Ohio, which is where Kappa Kappa Gamma is incorporated as a sorority, um, as a charitable organization, they in their bylaws only have women and they have it everywhere saying that Kappa Kappa Gamma is an organization for women. Its purpose is to unite women. And then they have Sort of messaging documents, guidance documents that say that they allow women and men who identify as women. So the real basis of the lawsuit is no. If you want to change this organization, you're not just going to shove it down the throats of girls at the University of Wyoming who are scared of social media and what their friends are going to say and is my vote going to be private. You have to take this through the bylaws and change the bylaws, and you did not do that. Instead, you pressured these, you know, 19, 20-year-old girls who just want TikTok friends to accept a man, and that is an unacceptable way to go about doing business. Now, that makes a lot more sense. Um, that that's, So it's not... It's not written in the bylaws about uh, transgender women being allowed in, men being allowed in. It's a, it's about them adding that 
and really not consulting the members, and that would, I wouldn't think would include alumni of the sorority who would want who would want to be. They don't want to see their sorority ruined that they were in when they were younger. And you know, I, I was in a fraternity, and guys who were in the fraternity, they're in it for life. Exactly. So uh, Kappa Kappa Gamma was founded in the late 1800s to give women the same opportunities as men. Men had fraternities and women, you know, instead of saying, oh, you know what? I identify as a man. I'm just going to join a fraternity. Obviously, that has never been available to women. So they created a space of their own and their bylaws says women. Now, what's unfortunate um, for maybe the audience to hear is that every single sorority that is a member of Panhellenic, which is all of them uh, that that you've heard of or that you might have been a part of, all the Panhellenic sororities, they agreed to have membership practice that accept women and individuals who consistently live as women. None of that went through their own sororities bylaws, but it was basically the the national presidents for all the sororities, they went to a little conference with Panhellenic and they voted and they said, we'll do both. Now, a lot of those sororities have not been put to the test about what's going to happen when you come to a conflict between your bylaws that says women and this public statement that you've made that says that you'll accept men who identify as women. Kappa is one of these groups that faced a first test and they failed that test. They failed that test by saying, oh, well, because we attended a conference and, you know, we we had our national president vote and say we want to accept men, that that must somehow trump our bylaws. But it doesn't. And also, it is not a mystery. Well, the bylaw says women. What could that possibly mean? Does that mean men? No, it is a judge's job to interpret words. And sometimes words are ambiguous. I don't know what they mean. And let's just leave it to Kappa. Women is not one of those ambiguous words. So 20 years ago, this judge would have, would have said uh, what? Because women were women 20 years ago the same way they're women now, but obviously it's been recently, very recently, that it's become as ridiculous as it is now where you have a Supreme Court justice that can't describe, you know, define a woman. But um, is this, is this, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to ask here, is this judge allowed to be influenced by the uh, the changing idea of what a woman is, even though legally it's never really changed. Yeah, it's hilarious because 20 years ago, this lawsuit wouldn't have been brought. There would not be men trying to invade no. women's spaces. There would not be women allowing it. Women would have stood up for themselves and said, no, I fought to have a sorority. My ancestors fought to have a space of their own, and we're not going to give it up. But if for whatever reason, in some backwards world, uh, this would have been allowed to even get to a court, then I think the judge would have looked at his job and said this. No, I'm not going to micromanage a sorority's membership practices. And the way that I look at it is the sorority says that its purpose is to unite women. And let's just say somebody had challenged the word unite. And they said, I don't like hazing at the sorority because that's not to unite women. Maybe at that point, the judge would have said, you know what, unite can look a lot of different ways. For some people, that just means all being nice. And for some people, that means you're going to go run a mile at midnight. I don't know. But I'm not going to sit here and decide what the word unite means in the sorority context. A challenge to the word woman, however, is different. It's not something like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. 
20 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, we would have known what woman meant. And if the sorority wanted to have a more uh, more expansive group of members that are both women and people who identify as women, the judge would have said, you're perfectly entitled to do so, but you just, you haven't. You've said that your membership is women. Well, the Boy Scouts have girls now, so, you know, what else do you need to know? Um just the Scouts. But the Girl Scouts still haven't changed. The Girl Scouts says, you know what? We need a space of our own. Yeah. And all of these women's spaces, all of a sudden, Girl Scouts isn't going to mean anything. The word girl is not going to mean anything. Well, um, I don't want anyone to blame you for the actions of women uh, all over the planet Earth, May. And we're talking to May Melman. She's a uh, senior fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center. But I I blame women for a lot of what's going on Um uh, this is kind of off the subject here, but it's kind of the same thing. I just saw a, a picture, I think it was today or yesterday, uh, two women ran uh, in a race. I think it was. I don't think it was a bicycle race. It was a race. I, I forget which. It was some kind of a, a competition. Two transgender women, two men uh, ran together, and they won a race against a bunch of women. And, uh, you know, there's the usual amount of outrage from the people you would expect to be outraged, but... I look at the picture. These two guys, are they, and they're obviously men. They're not even look like they're trying to fake it. These two men are standing there grinning, holding up a trophy, and there are like four women with them on the podium, and they're smiling. Uh, and so I kind of tie the two together with the sorority. Why, do, why wouldn't – I don't know how many members they have. Why wouldn't they just walk out and say, we, we're not – this is ridiculous. We quit. Because that's what guys would do at least in the, as far as the sports part of it goes? Absolutely. The yeah, guys wouldn't just wouldn't put up with that stupidity. It's a sport. You can't, you can't screw up the competition by doing something like that. And I think you even saw this Bud Light. When Bud Light tried to say, you know what, we don't like guys anymore. We just think yeah, that fratty. fratty guys yeah. are bad um, and, and you're outdated and, and we're not, we don't care about you anymore. The guy said, you know what, get lost. Bud Light. So um, I think there's something about women because we care about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be nice, and and there's there's a lot of positive to that aspect of women. You're nicer than men. Builders. Yes, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It has it has let us give up everything that we've fought for in this very like. Do we need men to fight for us now? Come on, women. What what What's wrong with you? If you don't fight for yourself, who are you waiting for to come save you? So there's this, I think, dichotomy that women face of, like, I want to be liked. I, I want to be, quote, unquote, inclusive. And yet you've let that idea trample everything that you hold dear, including facts, including just plain facts. And it's going to come to a time where your own daughters are not going to have opportunities. You're going to walk into a bathroom and you're going to have no amount of privacy. Dorm rooms are going to be completely invaded. There will be nothing private or respectable Mm -hmm. or respectful about being a woman. And that will be on the hands of women for not fighting for ourselves. Yeah, and and again, being a man and knowing what men are like, uh, again, and in this case, inferior to women, is that men will take advantage of this. I don't know that women are, go- are as inclined to say, hey, 
I know what I'll do. I can get into a fraternity and I can watch a bunch of naked men walking around and, and it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, guys are more likely to try to pull something like that off. Um, but it's uh, I, I, where does it end? I mean, uh, and here's the other thing. Uh, we're talking to Mae Mailman. She's a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center. Here's the other thing that would have happened 20, 25 years ago, and I'm old enough to, rem- to know this, um, that if, my, if, if, if a guy's sister was in a sorority and found out that a guy had joined and was watching, them, uh, watching my sister undress and doing all the things that has been described about this creep that's in there now, somebody would have visited this guy and said, uh, you're not going to be watching my sister taking a shower anymore. I just want to let you know that. Somebody would have said that. Maybe that would have been mean and violent or, or it would have been, you know, uh, uh, threatening violence, but that's what would have happened. Somebody's brother, father, or boyfriend would have put a stop to it. They just would have, and, well, and it wouldn't happen. Yeah, and and that is, I think, what we need some more of in society for there are sex differences between men and women. I cannot go beat up somebody. Right, I'm absolutely. Three, and it's, it's not going to work. And so if uh, if no one is going to protect us, And if men have all of a sudden decided that they no longer care about protecting women, Mm -hmm. protecting women, because somehow that has been interpreted as toxic masculinity or what have you, then women are going to find themselves only uh, under the whims of male aggressors without any male protectors. And that is not the world that you want to live in. And I think that a lot of women are going to very soon because you see a lot of murderers and rapists who, hmm, which prison do I want to go to? Do I want to go to the awful male prison or the low security very nonviolent women's prison. Of course, everyone would want to go to the women's prison, so they're just identifying as women. And that is not just a risk to the women prisoners. These are low-security prisons. They are easier to escape. They're mm-hmm. easier to harm the guards. I mean, th- th- just the, the ridiculous is basically endless. Yeah, Artemis would have ended up with some bumps on his head, and when, when asked about it, the witnesses would have said he tripped 25 years ago. I think he fell. I, I think he's... I think he tripped. Sorry. Uh, I got about a minute and a half left here. Um, and we're talking, finishing up here um, with, with uh, May Mailman. She's a, a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center. Um, could members sue the sorority? Well, no, what I wanted to ask you for that. Uh, could a sorority be sued for not allowing men claiming to be women to join? Is that coming next? So the lawsuit that I want to bring next is is yes, men should try and join sororities, just men who identify as men. Mm-hmm. And if Kappa doesn't let them in, and why? Because you don't identify as a, women, a woman. Well, I have been discriminated on the basis of my gender identity because I identify as cisgender, which I hate that word, but so whatever, I, we're going to go ahead and use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's against Kappa's, uh, Kappa's statement. They said that they don't discriminate on the basis of gender identity. Okay, fine. Well, then let in men who identify as men. I mean, this this absurdity must be exposed. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you guys are doing it there at the Independent Women's Law Center, um, and um, I hope we hear more from this, and I hope they don't give up, but I, what I'd like to see is the, all the women just walk out of the sorority house and let Artemis have the whole house to himself. That would be That would be instant solution, I think, but I don't think it's going to come to that. 
Um, hey, May, I appreciate you coming on. Great stuff. And, uh, again, thanks for doing that. what you do out there. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Okay, that's May Mailman, Senior Fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center, and we will be right back. Well, there was a time when you had to go looking for election interference uh, and or election fraud, I guess, but uh, now it's right out there in front of us. There's never been more election interference than what the Democrats are doing right now uh, with using indictments against Donald Trump. Christina Bob is an attorney for Donald Trump and author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. And she joins us now. Christina, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So we had you on uh, the show back in January to talk about your book when it came out. What has happened since January that should make anybody believe that there's any less likelihood of fraud <laughs> or attempts at fraud in 2024? Oh, I think there's a lot. Well, I think the indictments are the first thing that are actually quite encouraging to me that they don't have a lock on the election. If they did, they would not be doing what they're doing. They're doing it because they're concerned that they don't have control of the election. Now, I'm not in any way, I do not want to give anyone false hope, and I do not want to convince anyone that the election is fine and they don't need to be involved. That is also not true. Uh, we need everybody involved. Everyone needs to get involved in your precinct and at your county, and if everyone clean up their, cleans up their precinct in their county, We'll be fine. But I think all this crazy, frantic activity that we're seeing on the part of the, the political establishment, uh, to me, that's encouraging that they do not have a lock on this election. Have the Democrats surprised you with how blatant uh, they are with their attempts to eliminate Trump before anybody has a chance to even vote for him again? They have. I would say I'm more surprised by the response or lack thereof of Republicans. <laughs> you know, uh, I if I thought I was going into this, I thought that this was a Republican versus Democrat thing. And it's not, I mean, we've got problems on both sides of the aisle and we have solutions on both sides of the aisle. We can't look at this as an R versus D type situation. So, you know, for example, Brian Kemp has the opportunity to reprimand Fannie Willis, discipline her and, and really thwart what she's doing in Georgia. And he has opted not to, and specifically said he will not do it. He signed a, a law earlier this year that allows him to remove from office any prosecutor who abuses his or her office. And um, I would say I think most people think that she is abusing her office. So why isn't he doing anything about it? Well, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of questions. I, I, I'm sorry, I missed who you said could could have. Are you talking about Kemp? Brian Kemp. Brian yeah, Kemp, yeah. the governor okay, that's of Georgia. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, what would be his motivation not to? Because he's upset because Donald Trump insulted him during the election of 2020? Well, I think that's a really, if that's all he's got, I think that's a really silly reason. Pretty I've weak. got a lot of questions and suspicions about Brian Kemp. I don't, I, you know, what this political class is, is a group of people on both sides of the aisle who believe that they should be the ones who pick and choose government. They should be the ones who dictate who's allowed to run this country, not the American people. They're trying to consolidate the power of America with with a few. And I think Brian Kemp is in that class. Now, whether it's just a thought process he has or whether he's actually culpable in some way, I don't know. Um, but I don't think he has clean hands. No, and I, I just, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a uh, there's an audio uh, recording out there uh, with, uh, with with Clapper. Uh, have you Have you heard about this that's out there? Which one? 
Uh, it's with Miss. What's his name? Clapper. The um, I'm, I'm losing. I'm. I can't think of his first. Oh, name. James Clapper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's an interview that it's an interrogation of him. It's out on um, it's out on Rumble today or yesterday, and um, he is basically uh, trashing everybody, uh, Republicans, Democrats, and just the 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 picture that he paints of Washington is pretty ugly. If this thing is legitimate, I don't. I haven't seen it getting a lot of play. But you might want to check it out. Just go to Clapper on Rumble, and you'll you'll hear what he's been what this is, and maybe you okay, can. Okay. Well, I don't think I think James Clapper is just as bad. He's part of the problem. Oh yeah. But... Oh yeah. But but on this audio, he this is the thing that stuck out with me, uh, Christina. And believe me, I'm no expert on this, and I'm just a guy doing a radio show here, and I don't know <laughs> about you know I've never spent any time in Washington and blah blah blah. But this everything that we could talk about here in the next few minutes and everything that's been talked about to this point, I don't think it's any more complicated than Donald Trump being an outsider. And that's exactly right. Well, that, that's and why that's what Clapper says. Other... That's what stuck yeah. out. He said it. He said they Hillary Clinton hated him. The Republicans in there that were there, uh, Ryan, guys like that. They don't like him. He, he didn't pay his dues. He's not a member of the club, and, that, and that's what this that's is right. all about. When you when you when you melt it down. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Wow, I'm surprised I agree with him, but yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Well, check that out. You might find it interesting. But but I will. Uh, you mentioned you you were surprised by the lack of uh, effort on the Republicans here. What should they should should they who and what should be doing something? Or what well, there's they a lot. Doing? I mean, so if you look back just at 2020. Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia all had Republican legislatures, and all of them had the ability to, to in some way, affect the election, and every single one of them chose not to. Now, the Arizona legislature, of course, stepped up after the fact and said, we're at least going to do an audit. So Arizona did a real audit, to the extent they were allowed to. They didn't get access to everything that they subpoenaed, but... Um, there's a lot of Republicans, but Robin Voss is a Republican. He's the chairman, the speaker of the assembly in Wisconsin. He has been putting up roadblocks to everything that people in Wisconsin are trying to do to try to bring transparency to elections. Now, why, why would an elected official want to block transparency into the election? If you're legitimately elected, wouldn't you want everyone to yep. see that process? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But he he's blocking everything. He's blocking everything. And then you've got Brian Kemp, who's basically giving a green light to Fannie Willis. You had uh, Jake Corman, who's now thankfully out of office, but during the 2020 election, the president of the Pennsylvania Senate, who was blocking attempts at doing an audit even before January 6th. And then you had the Republican attorney general in Arizona, who refused to bring any real serious charges, even though there were a lot of, uh, affidavits and evidence brought forward. And then you had the Republican district attorney in Racine, Wisconsin, where the sheriff actually referred charges of election fraud, and she refused to prosecute. And they're all Republican, every single one of them. So that's what I, that's the thing that's very uh, disturbing about this. And and when I, and maybe this has something to do with it, because when, when I talk to uh, Trump haters about election fraud, I'm told that the courts didn't find anything wrong. Trump should no, admit that he lost. Look. What's your response when you hear that? The courts didn't look. There were 92 cases brought. 62 of them were dismissed on procedural grounds like standing or latches or you know timing, whatever. And those, they did not look at the merit at all. So 30 of the cases were brought on merit, both before and after the election. 30 of the cases were brought on merit. And of those 30, Donald Trump won 22 of them. 
Wow. He just he just lost the ones right after the election because the judges didn't want to hear it and they wouldn't the the evidence was never even allowed to be admitted. So, I mean, the judges were all scared. They didn't want to be the one judge in the country that took on the establishment. Mm-hmm. They just refused to allow the evidence to be admitted. That's what they did. Well, um and that's that's the argument that you get from every Democrat and every one of their friends in the media is that but it's not real. He lost. It's not real. It's not based in reality. No, the courts threw it out, and uh, every court, every court that looked at it, every judge that looked at it, uh, said he had no argument to make. There was no fraud. Shut up and go home. He lost. He needs to accept it. That's the argument you get. That's the argument, but it's not factual. It's not a factual argument. Mm-hmm. Well, the, it sure is. As the far as the media were is never concerned. allowed. The witnesses were never allowed to testify. I'm not aware of one single witness that was allowed to testify in any of these cases. Not one. Well, how do you change that? Because that that those cases are still they're still there. They could still be refiled somehow. You could still somehow get some of them to court, couldn't you? Not you, but well, uh, I mean, it's hard at this point because they've they've been thrown out. So now you have precedent. But I mean, these indictments that Jack Smith and Fannie Willis have brought open up the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying he believed that. They're arguing that Donald Trump believed that Donald Trump lost the election. No, he didn't. He believes he won the election. This is all the evidence that led him to believe he won the election, that they cheated. So as long as the judge follows the law, then that evidence should be allowed to finally come out in defense of Donald Trump. Now, the question is, is the judge going to follow the law? Is she going to allow Donald Trump to put on a defense? That's the question. What about the efforts in some states to use the 14th Amendment to keep him off the ballot in those states? Will that work? No, that's not even in the realm of possibility. The 14th Amendment is based on insurrection and those guilty of insurrection against the United States. In the United States, you have to be tried and convicted. You're innocent yeah. until proven Come on, guilty. That's a minor detail, Christina. That is a minor detail. And even more minor detail is the fact that Donald Trump hasn't even been charged with insurrection. That's not one of the charges that was brought against him. So he cannot be convicted of it. So there's at least as the facts stand today, there is no in no realm of possibility. Is it even possible for them to invoke the 14th Amendment? We're talking to Christina Bob. She's the uh, an attorney for Donald Trump, also author of Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election, what it means for 2024. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this story. There's a, there's a guy running in a Democrat county uh, supervisor. He's uh, he's a that's what he is a Democrat county supervisor in Hines County, Mississippi, who says, "quote mm-hmm. We have videotapes of someone going into boxes, bringing in thumb drives, bringing in ballots to be inserted into the machines." And he's talking about the Hines County Democrat chair, and he's he's accusing yeah. them of fraud. Will he be? Uh, Accused of trying to uh, overturn that election? <laughs> right. That's a great question. Um, well, I, I applaud him for raising the issue. You know, uh, who knows what they're going to do? I mean, it depends on who they want to win the election, if they charge you or not. If, if you're defending the person that they want charged, then, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. But if you're just, if you're putting up roadblocks, for an illegal election, you know, and you're, you're running interference so that they can conduct an illegal election, then they're okay with it. But I mean, the Dem- that's, how they, that's how they make these decisions. Yeah, but this is a Democrat saying that the, the election is fixed, and uh, that's not, he's not the first Democrat to say that. There are uh, miles of yeah. tape 
of, of Democrats saying it in 2016, going all the way back to 2000 and uh, 2000. Yeah. But uh, th- you, you would think this would have gotten some more attention from the media. This is a Democrat <laughs> accusing Democrats of fixing an election. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, of course, the media is not going to cover it because right. they want people to believe that we have the most chaste, upright elections, which obviously we don't. But what he's accusing them of is that, uh, of, is that what happened in 2020? Exactly what yes, he's accusing a, them of? Exactly. It's the same tactics. It's adding votes, shaving votes, dropping in ballots, double counting ballots. It's all the same thing. It's the same tactic. They, they've been using the same tactic for years. Now, I have a, this is a question I have for you, because I, I kind of hold this, uh, I, I hold out some hope that this is true. Um, mm-hmm. Are there things that you and President Trump know that prove the election was illegitimate that you haven't, or that you, at least maybe you haven't made them public, but things that mm-hmm. haven't been made public yet? Are there things out there still to be disclosed that you're aware of, but you can't talk about? Um, there's nothing that I can't talk about. I do think there's a lot of things that are available publicly that the public is still not aware of, if that makes sense, because the media has done quite a successful job of suppressing information. I think a lot of people will feel like they're hearing new information, even though it's not, and it's been out there for a while, but they're just not aware of it because very few outlets will actually cover it. So no, I don't, I don't have anything that's not publicly out there. I, I think um, I think the bigger issue is wanting to make sure that, you know, the, the defense is not telegraphing what they're doing to the opposing side. But as far as as far as I'm aware, I think I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of information out there about the fraud. Well, you can't depend on the media to report on it. Um, exactly. Um, if the same number of Republicans wait until Election Day to vote in 2024 as uh, waited in 2020, can the Republicans win? Yeah, I mean, I think the Republicans can win either way. Uh, you know, we're asking people to vote whenever it's convenient for you. You know, we're not asking anybody to wait until Election Day. If you're out of town or, you know, you're busy, whatever, vote when you can vote, but just make sure you do it. Don't don't wait. Don't hold back. Just make sure you, your vote gets cast. Well, what's being done to make that happen? Aside from just people saying it, is there what, what can people do on a county level to make sure that that happens? Well, uh, I mean, you can get involved in a. Gra- There's a lot of grassroots efforts all over the country. You can become a precinct committeeman. Precinctstrategy.com is a great place to get involved to encourage folks in your community to not, not just to get involved, but to have a say and how things are run. Uh, Causeofamerica.org is a great organization that can plug you in somewhere, whatever precinct, whatever county in the nation that you're in, they've got a point of contact for you if you want to get involved there. And get involved and help educate your community. You know, just Mm -hmm. talk about it. Tell your friends and family. Get involved. There's so many of these grassroots efforts that are um, filing open records requests or FOIA requests or, you know, petitioning their counties to make sure that their counties are following the law. And I think, I think that's the most important thing is to make sure that the counties are following the law. Well, last question. Um, what, what's the, how many Republicans, not numbers, but percentage-wise, do you think, or just give me an idea of what you think of the amount of Republican resistance to Donald Trump is out there, maybe not necessarily on the surface, but bubbling under the surface that they don't have the guts to demonstrate? Oh, I think it's, I think it's low. I think, Do you? I think it's low. I think, 
I think the resistance to Donald Trump is at the top and on the surface, like the, you know, the Mitch McConnell's of the world, mm-hmm. you know, um, those are the ones that resist Donald Trump. I don't think, I mean, at least that's not my impression from the interaction that we have with these different states. The MAGA movement is alive and well, and it is very strong. And Democrats have now been forced to acknowledge that MAGA is a movement. And uh, I, I think President Trump's appeal is only getting stronger the more people start to realize the danger of this extreme leftist agenda. Oh, I see Donna Brazil is nervous. Uh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> she exactly. Said that. Hey, uh, uh, Christine, I'm out of time. Thanks for coming on the show. We hope to have you on again. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, that's Christina Bob, and the book is Stealing Your Vote, the Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. So I'm uh, watching college football on Saturday, and um, the one game I did watch was Colorado beating Texas Christian, TCU, and it was a big upset. And it was Deion Sanders' first uh, win. And he, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but he was the coach at Jackson State, had a really good, uh, I think, three years there, like 33 and nine or something like that. Um, And he uh, went to Colorado, which has had like eight years of eight terrible seasons. And they, um, and he just pretty much kicked every kid out who was there playing football, most of them anyway, um, and they he told them all to jump into the transfer portal, which in case you didn't know, you can now do in college. You can transfer from Pitt to Penn State if you want and play that same season, transfer wherever you want. And so he did it differently from, uh, I mean, it was, that, that was not something that coaches could do up until the last couple of years, because if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. You lost a year. You didn't lose a year of eligibility, but you had to wait a year before you got back in. So anyway, a big deal was made of his win, and uh, and, and and it should have been. He That team looked really good, and he did what he needed to do within the rules. Uh, I think the rules are kind of stupid, um, and I also think that it's bad for college football, but he did what you're now allowed to do, and he did it well enough to beat a team that he wasn't supposed to beat. So now, of course, um, he's blaming people for not believing that he was able to do it. And in his press conference after the game, he said uh, I, I, he was talking to all the non-believers, and it got it got pretty stupid. But um, I got to give him credit, and he. He's a he's a guy who doesn't doesn't have a lot of um, experience as a head coach, but he won, so he's one and zero. But uh, Dion, he's one of those guys. A little bit of him can go a long way. So let's let before we declare him a great college coach, and before we declare Colorado the future national champion, uh, maybe wait a little bit. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.